Rusty Quill presents. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
it's too cold to stay out very long If I stay where I am Then I won't make it Just hoping you will come along August The days ain't like they used to be Michael, did you write that? Made it up as I went along. I can't believe you brought that thing. Sly's gonna kill you if you get it dirty. You know that, right? Relax. I made a time duplicate of it. The original's in the truck. Let's revise that then. If you keep fiddling with it all night, I'm going to kill you. It's a campfire, partner. You're gonna have someone playing guitar. It's the rules. Is it also the rules that the fire has to be dangerously tall. It's like y'all don't even want to be free out here. I'm just saying it's not even that cold, Michael. You're damn right it's not cold, because you're warm and cozy by the fire. I'm not cozy. It keeps blowing smoke directly in my face. I hate it. Then move, pilgrim. Every time I move, the wind changes and the smoke blows in my eyes again. Them's the rules too, pilgrim. The wind rules. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a real campfire. Now, if y'all cooperate, it's finally dark enough that we can get around to why I brought you two chuckleheads out here. You didn't bring us out here to endure the most grueling hike of our lives? Mikey, he clearly brought us out here to kill us. He put us through a grueling hike this morning so that we'd be sore and can't get away. Now he's filling us up with hot dogs so we're fattened up and slow. It's the perfect crime. You know, I don't care anymore. If he doesn't kill us, then he's gonna make us sleep on the ground for... How long is this trip? Three days? Let him kill us. <clears throat> I brought you all out here so we could tell scary stories around the campfire. Tis the season and all that. All right then, Michael. I've got one. You told me that we're going on an even longer hike tomorrow. That's the scariest story that I can imagine. If y'all both tell a real campfire tale, we can go fishing tomorrow instead. How about that? That's a good deal, Mike. We should consider... Consider what? I don't have any scary stories. I don't sit around and write horror stories all day. Just make one up. 
Michael just made up a whole song. You can make up a story. I can't just make up a story. Okay, fine. I'll do it then. Do y'all want me to provide the soundtrack? No, I don't. Suit yourself. See? Isn't that so much spookier? The quiet of the forest? The night... The... What was that? See? Scary, right? I weren't spooked. Go on. Tell your tale, Pilgrim. All right, here goes. It was a foggy autumn night. Just like this one, except foggy. Good start, Mikey. Shut up. It was a foggy autumn night. So foggy that you couldn't even see your hands in front of your face. A new moon. Pitch black. I was walking back to my cabin from Edgar's. Oh, so this happened to you now. Quit pestering him. It's a better story if it happened to you, right, Mikey boy? No, this really happened to me. Anyway, you two both know what the woods are like in the valley. The roads are pretty far from the woods most of the time, but sometimes they go right up to the tree line. I was at one of those parts, and I was listening to a podcast so I couldn't hear much. But I could hear this. It was the sn- It was- Fuck, it was just like that. I was about to describe a branch snapping. Michael, uh, I think that someone's out there. Nonsense. There's deer, bears, foxes, mountain lions, elk, all sorts of critters out there. They got just as much right to make noise out here as us. More, even. Keep going with your story, partner. Okay, um... So, I hear this extremely loud sound, like a huge branch being snapped, in the woods right off the path. It was loud enough that it made me jump even though I was listening to something in my earbuds. Was you listening to movies with Michael? I'm trying to be realistic, so I'm going to say no. Anyway, the sound was loud enough that it felt like something was going on. Someone could be in trouble out there. I thought about calling Marissa, but she was on her route that night. So I turned on the flashlight on my phone, which wasn't useful at all in the fog, and trudged into the woods alone. Why didn't you call Edgar? Because it's a story, Mike. Because if something was going on out there, he didn't want Edgar getting hurt. Keep going, Mikey. Right, I wanted to protect Edgar. So I trudged off into the woods alone. I made it about 50 feet, 100 feet, hard to tell, into the darkness. I turned back and shined my light, and all I could see was trees and fog. I had to walk with my arms out so that I didn't run into a tree. The sounds were still loud. I still had my earbuds in, up until I didn't. All of a sudden, the left one fell out. The cheap pieces of crap never fit in my ear correctly. And because they were cheap, they didn't come with that find my earbud feature. And they were black, so I couldn't see them in the dark and the fog and the leaves on the ground. So, I get down on my hands and knees, still listening to I am in a skew in my left earbud, rustling around on the ground, getting dirty, trying to find this cheap earbud. Not worth the $30 it would take to replace them, I'll tell you that much. I'm hunched over, searching. I end up scraping my hand against something and bleeding. Then, I finally see it. The earbud. It landed in a puddle, just my luck. I reach out to pick it up, and... (laughs) Hey, you can't just grab me like that. That's cheating. Cheating at telling a scary story? Yes! It ain't cheating. Point goes to Mikey. It's not my fault that you bought into the ambience. So I felt a hand on my shoulder grab me and pull me backward into the dirt. I scramble to my feet and look around. No one. 
The fog is so thick that someone could be right in front of me and I would never know it. I start running back as fast as I can, in the direction I hoped I'd come in. That's when the snapping sounds get louder and louder. It was like something enormous was chasing me through the woods, crushing anything that got in its way. I kept running and I didn't look back. I could see the path coming up. There was a crack so loud it was like lightning struck right beside me. I kept running out of the woods and back to the path. It wasn't where I walked in, but it was close enough. I looked back to the woods. Nothing. I didn't stick around long enough to see if anything ever emerged. I walked back to Edgar's cabin and pretended that I thought I left my earbud there so that I wouldn't have to go back to my empty cabin. Our brave protagonist. It wasn't until much later that I heard a story about Old Brush Valley from the 20s. From around when the Old Brush Valley song was written. Old Brush Valley. that one. The very same. I wonder what it is about that place. You're gonna have to stop. That song's gonna be stuck in my head all night. It turns out that there was a man in the valley that the townsfolk accused of murder. They dragged him out into the woods and killed him. A witness described two men physically dragging him by the shoulders into those very woods. Someone later came forward and admitted to the murder. The man they killed was innocent. So you're saying you saw a ghost? Be careful where you walk at night, Mike Walters. Bravo, Mikey boy. See, we're having fun out here, ain't we? Mike, quit being sore that he spooked you, because it's your turn, Pilgrim. All right, you want a scary story? By God, you are going to get a scary story. Can't wait. And it won't be some, oh, it was a night just like this one nonsense. It was a day, in the summer, indoors. Still about me, though. Me and Bruno. Where was I? You were out? I don't know. You go places all the time. You were wherever you normally go. Was I at Sly's place? Sure, you were at Sly's house. So it was just me and Bruno in the apartment. You know that the apartment isn't quiet. It's not well insulated, it's close to the road, it creaks and croaks all the time. You can hear the downstairs neighbors and the upstairs neighbors. There's no real quiet. I was sitting on the sofa with Bruno. We were watching TV, some procedural crime drama, not something that rewards you for keeping your brain on. So I was sitting there, kind of zoned out, Not paying attention to much, scratching Bruno's head and watching TV. Zoning out made me feel sleepy, so I thought I might lie down for a while. So I turned off the TV with the intention of retiring to my bedroom. Once I turned off the TV, I realized that... Everything was... quiet. I couldn't hear the road, the neighbor, the building settling, the pipes, none of that. I wasn't the only one who noticed. Bruno's hackles went up and his ears went back. He knew that something was wrong. He leapt out of my lap and growled. He was looking toward the window. What was outside? Nothing. That's the thing. Nothing was outside. It was day, but it was pitch black outside all of a sudden. Not the sort of dark that accompanies a solar eclipse. Nothing. Void. There was nothing out there. A pure darkness like you've never experienced before. Then I heard a noise. A high-pitched squeak coming from the kitchen. Bruno rushed in there and started barking at the cabinet under the sink. Carefully, I approached and slowly opened the door to the cabinet, and it was... a mouse. A tiny little mouse. Not the first time we've had a mouse in the apartment. Bruno tried to chase it, but I made him sit and stay. 
I didn't want him to catch some disease from it. A mouse is a little bit anticlimactic. I'm not done yet. The squeaking was only the first sound that I heard. Then I heard even more squeaking. There were more mice, but I couldn't see them. I didn't realize where they were until they started crawling up out of the garbage disposal. They were in the pipes, dozens of them, hundreds maybe, covered in gunk and pouring out into the sink, then out into the room. Seeing how many there were, Bruno turned tail and ran. I did too, but there were too many of them. I could feel them crawling up onto me. I could feel them crawling up on my back. Uh, Jesus, Mike. See, it's easy to scare someone if you yell and touch them. So I was trying to shake the mice off of me when I realized that most of them were going somewhere. They were going into the living room, to the window. They stopped and stared at the window when they got there. The two things were related. Bruno was hiding in my bedroom. In a panic, I did the only thing that I could think of to do. I opened the window. I thought that I might get sucked out into the vacuum of space or something, but I didn't. Instead, the mice traveled up the wall to the window in a single file line, filing out into the darkness, like they were programmed to do so, like an instinct. It took as long for them to file into the darkness as it did for them to crawl up through the pipes. Eventually, they were all gone. I shut the window. When I did, something fleshy replaced the dark void. Lips. It was a mouth. The being backed away from the window. Sunlight poured in and blinded me. I didn't see it fully as it moved along. It looked like an ancient god, knobby like some sort of sentient tree. It moved quickly and silently and was gone before I could see the whole of it. I tried to convince myself that I had been dreaming, that I fell asleep on the couch watching a procedural crime drama. But I knew. I was awake, and Bruno was on edge for hours after that. I wasn't the only one who saw. Well, I don't know if I'm spooked, but I'm itchy now. You got the creepy crawlies. That counts. That was a good tale, Mike. I thought I knew where it was going a couple times, and then turns out you were taking it somewhere else entirely. I like that. Ain't you glad I talked you into telling a story? Thanks, Michael. You know what? I am glad. That was fun. And we saved the best for last, partner. Strap in, because Big Bear Michael Walters is about to tell you all the tale of Jedediah Barriger. Now, Jedediah Barriger were some surly folk here in the valley in the 1890s. Old Brush Valley was a famous destination for starting over and attracted all sorts of ornery types. Our pal Jed here weren't born Jedediah. He was born Reno Helt. Reno was a small-time bank robber, occasional murderer. He made a good living off it, even taking on some kills for hire until he got too famous for his escapades. He saw the writing on the wall and headed west where no one would recognize his face. Start over, blend in. The good life was over, but he weren't hanged yet, so he could eke out a living in the west. He gets to town and he finds a job with the old Brush Valley Logging Company as a lumberjack. The work was tough, but people paid him no mind, which is all that he cared about. It felt like honest work, which he came to appreciate. Some respite from his life of crime. Just a man, an axe, a saw. What? What the hell is that? Critters rustling. Now, 
Jed ain't hard up for cash. He saved up plenty back east, but he needed to keep a job in order to not raise suspicion as to how he came into such wealth. He bought a house near town and kept to himself outside of work. His co-workers described him as intimidating. Someone who would get the work done without saying so much as a word to anyone else. Someone who kept his distance physically and otherwise. He always felt as though he were far away. Michael, that isn't a critter. Sure it is. Y'all greenhorns need more time outdoors. Jumping at every little thing. Back to Jed. He couldn't avoid everyone forever. Eventually, someone was gonna get curious and approach him. It was early evening on a day of rest. Jed had just eaten dinner when he heard a knock on the door. He weren't expecting company, so he grabbed his six-shooter and tucked it into his pants. He opened the door and it was another lumberjack. Fella named Harvey Broughton. Big fella. All of them were. You don't work as a lumberjack without putting some muscle on. Harvey explains that he didn't live too damn far away and that his chickens laid more eggs than he could eat this week and he wanted to know if Jed wanted them. Jed says, sure, why not? He didn't want to be seen as inhospitable or ungrateful. Harvey asked if he can come in a spell, and Jed hems and haws, but he says yes in the interest of not rocking the boat. Okay, I'm gonna go figure out what's making that noise. Sit your ass down, partner. Sometimes elk will smack their antlers into the trees to keep them healthy and sharp. I don't think that's true. That doesn't sound true. So Jed and Harvey are sitting around the kitchen table, making small talk about work and chickens in the valley. After an hour or so, Jed said he better get headed to bed. Work was bright and early, after all. Then Harvey says, Yeah, guess you should. Gonna have some of those eggs for breakfast, Reno. Jed looks at him, wide-eyed, asks what he just said. Harvey says, you remember my brother, Reno? Before Jed can respond, Harvey leaps over the table at him with a knife that he had been concealing in his pocket. He tackles Jed to the ground, pins him down, draws the knife, and in one swift motion... Right in the eyeball. Harvey thinks that it's all over, but only for a moment. Only until the knife actually strikes the eyeball. It glances off. Harvey looks closer. It's a glass eye. No one had ever gotten close enough to Jed to realize that he had a glass eye. Jed capitalized on this moment of confusion, pushing Harvey back, producing his six-shooter, and firing twice into Harvey's chest. This isn't a critter. What the fuck is going on? your asses down. Harvey collapses to the floor. Jed calmly pops out his fake eye, sets it in the kitchen sink, goes back over to the knife bends over to pick it up. And it is just when he is bending over to pick it up 
that very moment, as his hand makes contact with the handle, that... <laughs> August! <laughs> what are you doing? What? I got you, boys! You sure did, Sly. Oh, Michael, tell him how Jedediah's story ends. Oh. It were just as he was about to pick up the knife that Harvey launches onto him again, wrestles the knife away from him, and in one last action, plunges it deep into Jed's open eye socket before dying beside him. The end. And that's how you spook your buddies around the campfire. We got him good, Big Bear. <laughs> we sure did, Badger. <laughs> that couldn't have gone any better, I don't think. We really got him. August, how long have you been out here? Oh, only a couple hours. Me and Michael made the plan about a week ago. Went out here, picked a spot where y'all wouldn't see me. <laughs> Drove up here this evening and snuck out here while y'all were busy with the fire. Uh, my truck's on the other side of them trees. I told y'all I was saving the best for last. I will admit to getting spooked. Me too, begrudgingly. Y'all don't gotta admit shit. I saw how high y'all jumped. I was scared y'all was gonna get stuck in that tree. Michael wins this one, boys. (laughs) Now, how about Michael plays us a tune while I rustle up some marshmallows? We're making s'mores. Can do, Chief. This one's called Old Brush Valley. It's been stuck in my head since you mentioned it earlier. Does it ever leave your head? I think it just goes in the background on mine. No, sometimes I can go a whole day without Long thinking about it. In Old Brush Valley, I went there with my gal. She left me feeling lonesome in the end. So no, now no, I, I drown my, my sorrow. I figure by tomorrow. I wonder what it is about that place. Oh, Brush Valley. But since I left, I am shown my face. It's a disgrace. I don't know if it's good to humor On down in Old Brush Valley, I went and I did bury the one who left me lonesome in the end. The grave, well, it was shallow, it left me feeling hollow, with only just one vulture for a friend. Oh, Brush Valley, I wonder what it is about that place. Oh, Brush Valley, they don't know yet, they'll never see her. Here in this 
Jason. I ain't ever lonesome and I ain't ever waiting for a roof. Oh, Rush Valley. I wonder what it is about that place. Oh, Rush Valley. But soon enough they'll all forget my face. It's a Good job, Michael. That's why I'm going to be stuck in my head forever. Come on, give me a round of applause. Hey, you can't call me for August. I'm about ready for those s'mores now. Sure, it's your guitar. Blaze the tune, Badger.